Hi, I'm Michael Gray, and this is a short story called Chicken. I was a recluse by nature. My best natural strength was to hide, blend into the environment. Change was my enemy. Confrontation, my arch nemesis. In PE, I would hang out near the back of the soccer field, and when the ball came into my jurisdiction, I would do my best to clear space and let the more brashy types take point. I wanted nothing to do with the ball. They could have it if they wanted it that badly. In class, I would sit by myself and refuse to put my hand up. I would eat lunch alone and read a good, young adult novel where the kids were brave and went on adventures. It was a life I was never destined for. Which is why the predicament I find myself in now, oddly amusing, I was about to get into a fight, the old weird kid versus a bully cliché. I'm surprised because I thought it would have happened a lot sooner in my educational life. I guess I blended in better than I thought, so much so even the bullies couldn't see me on the sidelines. But here I was, Paul Stevens, and here he was, Brian Morgan, five foot five with arms the size of tree trunks, standing in front of me with one fist in the other and a plaque-ridden set of bared teeth. This wasn't an arranged fight. If so, I would have skipped out on school earlier today. No, sir. Apparently today I was destined to knock over Brian Morgan on the field on my way home from school. Knock over, you ask? Well, I myself am a six-foot monster, but without the tree trunk arms to match. I'm a lanky fellow with a short, unnoticeable haircut. It wasn't entirely my fault. Brian was hanging out with his rugby mates and was running to catch the ball. Some would say he got in my way. But then again, I'm not in the first 15. I don't get a say, let alone a jury. Brian stared me down as the rugby ball lay in the short grass a few feet away from us, and only another few feet from the goalpost. I gripped my backpack tighter and mumbled an apology. He didn't take that too kindly. His eyes widened and he spat at me. Lucky for me, the wind stopped it short and I was saved that one small disgrace. A crowd had formed out of Brian's mates and a few girls and boys who had stopped by. Most kids had gone home by now. Boy, did I wish I had left early today. I imagined sitting at home, curled up with a good book. I was reading John Marsden's The Dead of Night. That was when the first punch threw me and I landed in the grass. The shock didn't have time to settle. I was still imagining what Ali and company were up to and whether they had gotten into more mischief since I had left them. I opened one eye to see Brian standing over me. Now the pain had reached my eye socket. That would explain why one eye didn't want to open. Then I did what I knew best, what all my life experiences had taught me. I crawled away. You read that right. Undignified as I was, pulling myself in my backpack along with me, I couldn't see any other alternative. I just prayed he would see what a miserable, insignificant being I was, and just leave me alone. Then something stomped my leg. Obviously, he thought a wallflower like me was worth taking up his time. My leg twisted as pain swept through it. I kicked out in reflex. Brian cursed violently, and something thumped next to me on the ground. With my one good eye, I spotted Brian, whose head was now all bloody. I looked up to see the goalpost smeared with red. Brian lay next to me with an almost serene look upon his face. 
as serene as an unconscious first 15 bully could look. When things settled back down and I was back at school, try as I might, I couldn't use my same old tricks. There was no escaping what had happened to me and what I caused to happen. Innocently or not, I was the boy who put Brian Morgan into hospital. Wallflower no more, I was left alone for the most part. The other kids gave me evil looks as their star rugby player was out of action for the rest of the season. Apparently he fractured his skull. Scratch that. Apparently I fractured his skull. I tried telling Principal Edwards otherwise. I was only defending myself after all. But he wouldn't have a bar of it. Who was I? And what was I bringing to a school other than another tick on a roll? Brian put the school on the map for the first 15. Sure, he got up to jock antics every once in a while, but Edwards let it slide due to Brian's tackling prowess. These corridors felt endless. This was most certainly the last place I wanted to be. A week had passed and Brian was still cooped up here among the machines and the sick, and the nurses waiting on foot. I had done the guy a service. When did I ever get someone to wait on me? The flowers in my left hand were crushing under my grip. Calm down, Paul. I looked at the stupid bouquet, a bunch of petunias, daffodils, and whatever the hell those orangey things were. Mum didn't get the whole rugby thing, or even the whole guy thing. Flowers? Come on. She demanded I bring them to him when he was awake from surgery. And so here I am, standing in his doorway, like an apologetic lover, clutching a bunch of ridiculous flowers. Lord, save me from this hell. Tubes were stuck inside his nostrils, disappearing to who knows where. His head was shaved, well, more shaved than usual. A bald dome against a stark white pillow, with one of those uncomfortable scratchy pillowcases. Brian's eyes were closed and his chest rose and fell with every breath. I discarded the flowers on top of his bedside table. There were get-well-soon cards and a signed rugby ball. The only flowers there were mine. Right, I've done the flowers. He looks like he's busy sleeping. I can go now, right? I backed away towards the door, under the impression that if I turned he might pounce on me. Again. Brian's breathing changed and his eyes fluttered. Not too far to the door now. I turned to run. Hey dipshit, a voice croaked. I turned towards Brian and pointed at myself as if there were another dipshit in the room. Yes, you dipshit. I didn't budge. He looked wide awake now. You're the dipshit that put me in here, Brian said. Yes, technically one could say that. Do you mind expanding your vocabulary a little bit? I asked. Fuckwit. Charming. I motioned to his bedside cabinet. I got you those flowers. Fuckwit. If I could move my arm, I would knock those flowers to the floor and spit on them. I relaxed a little. He can't move, thank God. Tree trunk Brian was truly and utterly bedridden. I came here to check on you. You look like you're doing well. Godspeed with your recovery and all that. I'll be on my way. I took another step towards the exit. Uh-uh, wait a second, dipshit. Oh God, what is it now? Can't this guy take a hint and let me leave this awkward situation? Seeing you're here and all, you owe me, Brian said. I don't owe you anything. You started the fight. You're the bully. He shifted his eyes to the left, looking at the bedside cabinet. Open it. I obliged. I was curious. 
I made sure to stay a Brian arm for away in case he reanimated. There were a bunch of scruffy rugby shirts, an R.L. Stein book, and a small metal box with a combination lock. You still read Goosebumps? I smirked. Brian ignored the comment. Get the box, shithead. I picked it up. The container was no larger than a glasses case. The metal was scuffed and filthy. 607, he said. I dutifully spun the digits and pried the lock open with a click. Inside was a Ziploc bag of green... grass? I stared at it for some time. That's weed, dipshit. Brian Morgan, full-time rugby player, part-time druggie. I shouldn't be so surprised. Seeing as you put me in here, I'm behind on delivery. Scratch that. Part-time drug dealer. You know Dylan Francis? I nodded. Dylan was an eccentric film student, always shoving his handycam into kids' faces and scribbling down notes and lighting and facial tics. Now I finally knew why he was so spaced all the time. Dipshit, give him this weed in exchange for 50 bucks. You bring the money back to me and don't forget the case. That's a good case. Forget it, Brian. I'm not going to be a criminal on your behalf. You play good, fuckwit, and I won't have to expel your ass. You can't do that. Brian's eyes gleamed, just like his shiny, bald head. How well do you know Principal Edwards? Because him and I are best buds. Crap, he's right. And he used grammar correctly, too. The world is going backwards. I closed up the case and hid it under my shirt in an effort to conceal it, making myself look twice as dodgy. I expect to see you here after school tomorrow, Brian said, smiling, before wincing at using too many facial muscles. I escaped the hospital room and fled, furious at fate and how it got me here. I crossed the field to school. It felt like Brian Morgan was still watching, even though the logic in me knew he was tucked away in hospital. My backpack felt heavy. The metal box didn't weigh much, but the fact I was taking drugs to school was a force pushing me to the ground, urging me to stop. This was a step too far, Paul. Allie would never do something like this. She would blow someone up to save a friend, but she wouldn't take drugs to school. Good guys don't deal drugs. I had finally crossed the field and stopped outside the library. Where would I find Dylan Francis so I could get this over and done with? I had only one class with the guy. Science, third period. Unless I saw him between now and then, I would have to give it to him during class. My first two periods were a nightmare. I was so distracted by Brian's task that I couldn't focus. People looked at me strangely, more than usual anyway. They could tell I was up to no good. They had to know. I was going to be reported, sent to the principal any minute now. No, don't be stupid, Paul. They have no idea what's going on in your head. This fear is irrational. I'd just left English when I found myself distracted by Katie McGregor in the locker's corridor. I stood there, enamored, forgetting about Brian, forgetting about the stupid drugs in my bag, the threat of expulsion and everything, and just watched her rummage through her locker. She was so beautiful and confident. She was in my first compulsory drama class in my first year. And ever since then, she was my number one crush. I had other crushes, mind you, but Katie McGregor, she was definitely on top of the list. She knew how to play a role and get wrapped up in character. She didn't let boys, or girls for that matter, 
mess her about. As she leaned into her locker, my eyes were drawn to her legs, that bare skin. Her skirt was up high, even though the dress code stated, below beneath. It didn't bother me. I wasn't a stickler for the rules. I was a goddamn drug dealer. I was shoved to the side of a corridor and snapped out of my creepy staring. Another jock. How predictable. Probably a friend of Brian's. I watched Katie leave her locker, praying for the day she would talk to me again. I think I would mount. When she turned the corner, I noticed the corridor was empty. Shit. Science. I ran to science class. When I entered, it was already underway. Miss Gritchen scowled as I closed the door behind me. She continued her lesson. Something about mitochondria. I mumbled an apology and found a stool at the tall science table at the back left of the room. As luck would have it, Dylan Francis was on the other table across the aisle. He was staring into space. Or was he? I followed his eyes to the chest of... Miss Gretchen? I snapped my eyes to my science book and shuddered. I reached into my bag and pulled out the metal box. I held it on my lap. The metal was cold to the touch. I hoped Dylan had the money. There was no way I was going to hold on to this for another day. A thought suddenly hit me. I didn't need to deal drugs at all. I could give Brian 50 bucks. I'm sure I could scrounge up the money somewhere. Then I could throw the drugs away and be done with it. I would be Paul Stevens again. I'm not a shady criminal. But then Dylan might complain and Brian would find out and I would get expelled. No backing out now. Dylan, I leant out and whispered. He didn't seem to notice. Dylan, I whispered more harshly. Nothing. That guy was stoned as a, well, a stoner. I threw my pen at him. It bounced off his shoulder and onto the floor. He turned towards me slowly. I flashed him Brian's metal box and returned it to my lap. He looked surprised. Long story, I mouthed. He motioned for the box. I checked on Miss Gritchen at the front of the lab. She was drawing a diagram on the whiteboard. I leant out into the aisle with the box, my stool near leaving the floor. Dylan reached out for my hand but was just short of it. We underestimated the gap. Lean out more, I whispered, draining, when I heard Miss Gritchen clearing her throat. She was staring right at us. I snapped my seat back to its original position and returned the middle box to my lap, hoping to sweep baby Jesus if he didn't see me. What are you two doing, Paul? Dylan? Dylan shrugged his shoulders. I stayed quiet. What was it? What were you passing Dylan, Paul? My heart sank. I fought fast. My pencil case. Dylan forgot his today. Since when did Dylan have a pencil case? She asked, walking towards us. I slapped my forehead. Pen, I mean. He forgot a blue pen, which is in my pencil case. She was between our tables now, and that get Dylan was still staring at her breasts. I was trapped, staring into her scornful eyes, praying for a way out. The rest of the class was staring too, but at this point in time, she was my prime concern. Give it here, said Miss Gretchen. What do you want a pencil case for? I replied. She held out her hand. Give it here, now. Reluctantly, I shoved the metal box into her outstretched hand. She examined it closely. It's locked. What kind of pencil case needs a combination lock? You'd be surprised at the amount of stuff that goes missing, I said. Her nostrils flared. 
She brought it up to her nose and sniffed. Unsatisfied, she sniffed it again. What's for combination? she asked. Two, four, eight. No, that's not right. I can't remember. It's written down somewhere, probably in my locker. I slid off my stool. I'll go get it. You stay right there, Paul. I stopped. Dylan, can you enlighten me on this situation? He looked up. No, I can't. You can't or you won't. I don't know what that is. He just tried to give it to me. Right, you two see me after class. You've sunk enough time already. I sat down reluctantly. Miss Gritchen walked back to the front and placed the middle box on her desk. She turned to the class. I'm sorry that Paul and Dylan decided that this was more important than your education. She returned to her diagram. I was sweating now. She had the box. The drugs were on her desk in plain sight and there was nothing I could do about it. Dylan stared out the window and acted like he had nothing to do with what just transpired. The end of period came. The rest of the class left, giving Dylan and myself curious looks on the way out. We stayed seated. Miss Gritchen motioned for us to come to her desk. We obliged. This was it. I risked it all to save my skin, only to be expelled anyway. I would probably be turned into the police as well. Brian Morgan would have something to answer for. My reputation forever. Miss Gritchen picked up the box and returned it to me. She sighed and spoke more softly than she did during class. Lunchtime is for sharing snacks. You know better, Paul. She didn't even register, Dylan. Go on, Shoe, before I change my mind. Stunned, I returned the box to my backpack and left the classroom. Dylan followed me out of the block. Even after all that, you still want these bloody drip? I turned down my volume. Drugs, he nodded. Right, follow me. I walked into the nearest boys' bathroom and we stepped into the disabled cubicle. I shut the door. We did the deal without much fanfare. I locked the 50 in the box and went on my way. After school, I returned to the hospital, hoping that this was a one-off. But I wasn't now Brian's permanent drug mule for the remainder of my years at this college. I stepped into his room. He smiled upon seeing me. It sent shivers down my neck. It was looking better. The tubes were gone, and it looked like his hair was growing back. Doc say I'll be out in a few days, Brian said. So, dipshit, you get my money? I reached into my backpack. I'll have you know I nearly got expelled for this. I chucked the metal box at him. He caught it. Easily, I might add. I don't owe you any more favours, I said, watching him unlock the case. Okay, thank you, man. A deal's a deal. So, get well soon and all that? I turned to leave. Shake on it, he said. I gingerly stepped towards the side of his bed and took his beefy hand. He crushed mine and I winced, but I continued to shake until it was done. He smiled, a huge toothy grin. At this point... I would like to say it was the last time I ever saw Brian Morgan, but he left me alone for good and let me return to my wallflower existence, my being studious in class and my staring at Katie McGregor in the corridor, that Brian, a drug-swindling jock, would simply become another memory. It wasn't. The End Thanks for listening. You can find more stories like this at michaeljgray.com. It's gray with an A dot com.